Hello, my name's Joanna Bailey. And I'm Tom Boone. Welcome to the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week. Coming up in today's show, I'll look at whether COVID tests could be part of the new normal, and Joe will give us a summary of where we're at with airline furloughs in the USA. Tom will take a deep dive into 13 years of 787 history, and I'll talk about some of the naughtiest passengers in the news this week. Finally, I'll close the show by looking at an amazingly simple yet meaningful good deed a Delta employee did. So, now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. So, Tom, you're going to kick us off today with uh, some updates on COVID testing and whether this is going to be something we have to endure every time we want to fly. Yeah, I thought I'd kick it off this week just to spice things up a bit. Um, So, um, yeah, it's interesting because obviously it's not a, a sort of widespread policy yet, but slowly and surely countries and airlines are um, bringing in COVID testing. And um, I think the first com- uh, first airline to sort of widespread introduce COVID testing was Lufthansa. And I think I think that's sort of a little bit of an indicator in a way because with so far with COVID, what Lufthansa has done has sort of become the industry standard with a delay. So um, if past experiences are anything to go by, they clearly know what they're talking about. But um, yeah, at the end of last month, so half a month ago now, they introduced um, COVID testing sites at both Frankfurt and Munich. And um, it's optional and it's a paid service. But what that means is um, if you're traveling to a country where you need a certificate saying, I've not got COVID, then you can take the test. Um, I think the cheap test takes six hours or you can pay to get it within uh, three hours. Oh, wow. So you could like get it on the day you fly, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, unless if you've got like a really early morning flight, then it would be the night before, which again is a flaw in this system, I think, because who knows who you're going to meet in that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, you take it at the airport and it's great because it's not just a one-way solution. So the testing site is actually uh, landside and arriving passengers who may normally need to go into quarantine because they've come from a high-risk country um, they can also take the test and if they they would then go to quarantine. But then if they get a text saying, oh, you haven't got it, um, they can leave quarantine. Oh, well, that's good. So. And I think, you know, there's a few countries that are looking at this sort of requirement, but without really a solution for, you know, getting the test, because obviously they can't have people getting tested on arrival because it's already too late then, isn't it? Um, yeah, but I mean... It's all right for, it, you know, if, like you say, if you're trying to avoid the quarantine that would otherwise be in place. Um, but yeah, for so, some countries, they just don't want people flying in that have got it at all. So they're asking them to get tested before they arrive. I'm thinking in particular, um, I know Iceland is and mm. um, also Hawaii was going to, although they've put back their opening now, um, mm. but they were going to require a COVID test certificate. Um, but in America, in most of the states, I think it's taking like a couple of days to get your test results back, which mm. like you say, it kind of makes it pointless because they could well have contracted it in the two days it takes between getting tested and getting on the plane. So, well, yeah, I mean, that's a also, flawless um, system. <laughs> a, a lot of the countries that are requiring the tests are saying it must have been done in 42 or 70, 
uh, two hours, 48 or 72 hours, um, which is a lot of time. But um, I mean, it was interesting because um, there's also some break between governments and airports in these policies because Heathrow um, last week announced that it was now ready to roll out COVID-19 tests. Oh, right. Um, however, there's always there's a however with this. Um, <laughs> while the airport has, has the capability set up, it's got the area set up, um, it's all ready to go. Um, there's absolutely no point in it um, launching these tests yet because the government won't exempt um, people who have had a negative COVID test from quarantine. So, what? Um, <laughs> yeah, um, because it needs to get signed off at the government level. And at the moment, even if you came, you took the test and it said you haven't got COVID-19. Um, you still have, have been, to go home for two would, weeks. Yeah, that would have been a test result from when you arrived at the airport. So, you know, yeah. it's not like one of those ones uh, where you could have mixed with people in the meantime. Um, but yeah, it's just like a no, sorry, Um but I guess it will be um, useful for people going somewhere else that need a test. Um, no, because it's in the arrivals hall. So oh, it's only, okay. So it's not it's for departing available. people, only for incomers. No, it's only, right. only wow. it's, at the moment, it's only available for flights arriving into Heathrow Terminal 2. Uh, I say it's available, it would be available yeah. to flights landing in Heathrow Terminal 2, and they'd need to pre-book the test as well before arriving. You'd think if they've spent the money to set this up, there must be some sort of plan I think so. I think um, maybe that's I think what's will... going to come in when the government finally entirely lifts the quarantine if, requirements. If... <laughs> yeah, um, I, I mean it's it's an interesting one to watch, but I do think um, there's something there. But um, interestingly, as well, um, Etihad yesterday um, went one step further with the testing. So Heathrow's testing is at the airport and Lufthansa's testing is at the airport. But Etihad has partnered with a company called Mediclinic Middle East. Um, and in the UAE, that um, they're oper offering um, COVID-19 tests at your home. Oh, right. Um, That's convenient. Yeah, it was. It's... Um, it's great. So, <laughs> but it was interesting actually when I read about that story because the way the kind of press release was framed was that Etihad was doing this really big favour to all its passengers by allowing them to do COVID tests at home. Um, but when we scratch the surface, it's actually all um, fee-based. So people still have to pay the fee for the COVID test. It's not like the airline's funding it. Um, and the kind of facility was already there with MediClinic. So it's really just kind of the tie up between being able to link it to a forthcoming flight, I guess. That's where Etihad comes in and maybe a bit of the promotion as well. But, uh, you know, it did make it sound initially like they were going to be giving them out for free so that people could fly confidently. But uh, no, no, that's not the case. <laughs> I think they're just far too expensive to offer for free for any government or any any airline, really. Yeah, I mean, I think the cheapest I've seen so far is Lufthansa at like about 60 euros. Um, That's not bad. Um, the last I heard, I think from the US to go to Hawaii was going to be about $120. And mm. the fee at um, at the airport at Keflavik for going into Iceland is, um, I think, about 100 euros, uh, which is fine mm. if you're just one person. But like I said last yeah. week, if it's a family of four, you want to put that holiday off for a little bit, I think, because uh, it adds massively to the cost of your trip. And I think Vienna is quite pricey these days. Is it? 
Yeah, that was. I think they were the first airport to really offer it. So yeah, but because it was so long ago, I can't remember off the top of my head what it was. <laughs> it will be interesting to see if this is something we're doing long term. Um, and yeah. from what I hear, the COVID test is not pleasant either. It involves scraping your tonsils and shoving a cotton bud down your nose as far as it will go until you really can't stand it anymore. So um, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> enduring that for a couple of seconds is more pleasant than staying at home for 14 days well I don't know (laughs) I quite like staying home to be honest (laughs) I'm not the most sociable of people (laughs) Mm. okay well from COVID testing to um the other impact of of COVID that is not to do with the disease directly um so what's happening in the US now is that we are getting towards the end of the CARES Act um, job protection. So, when airlines started applying for their bailouts through the government-funded CARES Act, there was a clause in it that said they must not enact any involuntary layoffs before the 1st of October. Um, Now, that date is coming around rather quickly, and a lot of airline workers... um, you know, understandably, are fearing mass layoffs because it's almost like, you know, the CARES Act has kept airlines flying, but it's kind of delayed the inevitable. So what's happening now is there are these warn notices being sent out um, and these are, it means worker adjustment and retraining notifications and it's a a labour requirement by law that 60 days or at least 60 calendar days before any action is taken in regards to mass layoffs, workers must be sent um, a written notice so that they can prepare themselves. So these have started to go out, you know, that 60 days is rolling around. Um, United has sent them out so far and they sent it to a massive 36,000 workers that's around 45% of its workforce um, but is is this just a case of ticking boxes and like actually it could be the case that far fewer than 36,000 would be impacted or yeah, is it Yeah absolutely serious? absolutely I was going to say it should be noted mm. that these warn notices do not equal lost jobs but mm. it is letting those people know that their jobs could be at risk so you know it's not saying that 36,000 will be laid off it's a bit like when British Airways said that 12,000 jobs were at risk there it doesn't mean they're all going to go but it mm. is is, like you say, a legal requirement to let them know. Um, But of United's letters, they went out um, to a huge proportion of flight attendants. There were 15,000 flight attendants out of a workforce of 25,000 that received a warn last week. Um, And as well as this, there were 11,000 airport operations employees, 5,500 technical workers and 2,500 pilots. And and then hundreds of other people that work in things like catering, admin, contact centres, that sort of thing. So things have moved on ever so slightly since then that United's chapter of ALPA, the Airline Pilots Association, have reached an agreement for um, some early retirements and voluntary layoffs. That Mm. means they're not involuntary. It means that there's some sort of deal been brokered. So we don't have the details of that. That's obviously private um, unless someone leaks it. So, uh, so, yeah. I mean, in this day and age, that wouldn't surprise me. (laughs) No, exactly. But uh, they have also warned that this might not be the full extent of the action. So we're yet to see what that really looks like in the the long term, but I think it gives a good indicator of what is going to happen with the other airlines in the US. So um, the other big airlines, American Airlines, Delta and Southwest are yet to send their warn notices, but it is coming. It's coming this week, probably. Um, Delta has already said that um, it's looking at cutting about two and a half thousand pilots. 
Um, the impact on the rest of the workforce is unknown at the moment, but they are sending out their war notices later this week. Southwest too hasn't published a number or even indicated a number of job cuts it might be expecting. Um, and it's sad because it's never had to lay off an employee before. Um, and American Airlines is reportedly gearing up to send notices this week. Again, there's no official numbers given, but it previously said there were around 20,000 employees, too many. Um, so prior to this mass layoff that everybody's fearing, airlines are requesting voluntary separations. So things like early retirement and, um, you know, voluntary redundancy packages that can be quite generous sometimes. And if they can get these, this is a massive benefit to the airline because when you've got involuntary layoffs, it works from the bottom up. So the least senior employees have to be laid off in advance of the most senior ones. So you know, the fact they get paid less <laughs> means that you need to cut kind of two or three jobs for the equivalent of one senior manager. If they can um, cut the voluntary, cut thing, uh, what the workforce in a voluntary manner, that's quite often top down because the more experienced um, will be looking at early retirements, the packages can be much more attractive. So, you know, it's really good if they can get people to apply for a voluntary exit. Southwest and United Workers have still got until um, later on this week. So we're recording this on Tuesday and I believe tomorrow is the cutoff date for applications for early exit. Delta, however, their window closed on Monday this week on the 13th. So there was no official announcement at the time of recording, although they're doing their um, quarterly earning results this afternoon. So we may know a bit more then. But the kind of insider leaks that are coming out suggest that as many as 15,000 have already applied to leave voluntarily. So we don't know what Delta's exact number is, um, which makes it a bit hard to say if this many people volunteering to leave would actually um, avoid any involuntary furloughs entirely. But it could definitely reduce the number. You know, that's a significant number of people that are willing to step down. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that kind of... I guess that gives us a bit of an insight into what's going to happen and what could happen in, in the good way if people are willing, you know, if the packages are generous and people are willing to step down voluntarily. Um, it would be a miss not to mention JetBlue um, in this little um, segment. So it's another airline. I was airline. wondering when you were going to mention your favourite US airline. <laughs> <laughs> Never even flown them, you know, but maybe mm. one day when they get to Europe. So it's a, this is another airline that's never involuntarily laid off a worker. Mm. Um, we don't know what's happening with their um, other crew members at the moment, their flight and ground, their uh, flight attendants and ground crew. But um, earlier last month, they said that they'd finished a negotiation with the pilots union, which has led to 3,600 pilots having their jobs completely protected until May next year. Um, mm. And their Alpa chapter said that this was the highest level of codified pilot protection that had been seen in the industry to date. So, you know, big up for JetBlue, really. I think that's great mm. that they've just protected all those jobs and absolutely short term changes will be likely, you know, pay cuts or hour cuts or whatever. Um, mm. But, well, you know, it's, I mean, a, it's a good position to be in, I think, everybody pulling together. Mm. Closer to home for us, um, I saw that Ryanair's UK pilots have... Um, accepted a 20% pay cut over uh -huh. four years. Um, and that's protected most of the jobs. There's a couple that are still at risk because Ryanair was looking at closing bases rather than just cutting numbers. That's really good. Um, but Ryanair's also said that with this 20% cut, um, they'll also 
increase it back to what it was within four years at least so oh fantastic that's really good and I think this is you know essentially what airlines are hoping their workers are willing to do is you know Mm. for some people to leave of their own accord and for some people to stay but on slightly less bad or less good terms just Mm. temporarily until uh, until we can get back to where we were so moving along um, you wanted to tell us about the Dreamliner I believe it's had a birthday yes um, so um Last week was 13 years to the day since the first um, 787 was showcased to the world. And that um, is quite interesting because there's been a lot of history since then. We've had three different variants of the aircraft have come out. Um, And I just wanted to sort of touch on its history a bit more. Um, It still seems like a really new aircraft to me. I guess I'm showing my age, but to me it still feels like, you know, shiny new aircraft at uh, 13. (laughs) I mean, yeah, there's some interesting stuff in the history as well, because I was reading into this and some of this stuff was completely news to me. Um, But yeah, originally um, the 787 story stretches back all the way to 20, 2003 even, which was when um, Boeing first announced that it was working on an aircraft that was called the 7E7. Uh, not the 787 we know and love today, but it was a similar aircraft with wingtips at the time, though. Um, so um, Boeing actually wanted to get the public involved in the rollout of the Boeing 787 because quite often the airplane is very, um, how do you put it, it's very controlled by the manufacturer, you know, they'll get what they get. Um, So Boeing actually held a competition to name this aircraft. Oh, cool. Um, And it was almost very, we know it as the Dreamliner today, but it was very almost called the Global Cruiser. Oh, I quite um, like that. <laughs> I I hate it personally, um, but it's and it, it's an interesting one because by saying you like it, you were with the majority of Americans who voted on the name, and also with the majority of Boeing workers who voted on the name. Oh, um, but about half a million votes were cast in the naming of this aircraft, and Dreamliner won to Global Cruiser by just two thousand five hundred. Wow, so, really close to one race. It was a close one, and um, at the Paris Air Show 2003, they announced, we're going to call it the Dreamliner, Um, and in 2004, um, the aircraft was officially launched with uh, 50 orders from ANA, but it was still known as the 7E7 back then, and it didn't actually get the 8 in its name until 2005. Do you have any idea why it was an E? Um, I don't know why it was an E. I feel like it was just to fill it. You know, okay. um, I'm pretty sure Airbus goes went with the X before, like the A3XX. Yeah, when it, it did. Was, yeah, when the 380 was still. Uh, I I wonder if I I thought maybe it was like economy because they were trying to create possibly. a more efficient aircraft. Or I mean, um, or environment. It yeah, could be anything. You know, like that. E has so many meanings in these days. Um, one of the <laughs> I may names have to suggested. Go and look that up. You should. Um, let us know next week what you find. Um, but one of the suggested names was actually the E-Liner. So perhaps um, oh. it's something to do with that. Um, but then, yeah, um, 13 years ago, the first 787 was rolled out of the factory to huge crowds, much more than the seven, uh, the 777X, which sadly had a very low-key 
um, rollout. And then on 2009, on my birthday, the aircraft took its first flight. So (laughs) that's a fun, uh, easy to remember date. Yeah. yeah. Um, And then it entered into service with ANA on um, October the 26th, just under two years later. And the rest, Um, as they say, is history. Yeah, the rest is history. There's three different types now, the seven, eight, uh, the Dash 8, Dash 9, and Dash 10. Uh, but interestingly, only three airlines operate all three types of the 787. Um, uh-huh. I know do you one. know who they are? No, I know one. British Airways is one, isn't it? I know mm-hmm. that because they got their 10 last time, last time we recorded, and I think we were talking about it then. But no, mm. other than that, I haven't got a clue. I think you should know the, f- the um, first one to get all three. Because we reported that a lot. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, it's United, ANA, and British Airways. Oh, so. okay. Okay. I think you might have um, said that. Yeah, you've said that yeah. to me before. I've just looked it up, actually. And uh, the E stood for efficiency. Okay. So, yeah, now we know. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and yeah, ANA had placed an order for a fourth type of... Uh, the 787, which would be known as the 787-3. But um, as you know, we don't have that. No. Um, And instead, they converted their orders. So that's it. We're not getting any more stretches or shrinks of the fuselage, as far as we know. Yeah, as far as we know. But, I mean, anything could happen. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You know, like Airbus came out with the Neo of the A330. Yeah, true, true. Perhaps we'll get the 787 Max. Oh, God, no, don't say that. <laughs> no, I think that I meant, brand... I meant in the name and, and yeah. not in the reputation. <laughs> no, just I think that, that brand might, that. Have, uh, yeah, might need reworking before mm. uh, any more variants are released. So uh, I just wanted to touch on um, passengers behaving badly because there's been a few um, really interesting stories this week, actually. So obviously, airlines are ramping up flights. um, And with the restart of flight operations comes the restart of poor passenger behaviour. So the most recent one was last night. As I say, this was Monday night this week. Um, A Ryanair passenger plane heading from Krakow to Dublin um, received a bomb threat, which is not really done these days and not not in the way that this one was done either. So apparently the crew, who are obviously regularly cleaning the uh, facilities on planes for COVID protection, found a note in one of the toilets saying that there were explosives on board. Um, So in quite a dramatic turn of events, the Ryanair aircraft was diverted to Stansted, which is the UK's kind of emergency airport, um, escorted by two RAF typhoons. Um, So everyone deplaned safely. There's not been any news that they did find explosives on board or in any passenger luggage. So probably there wasn't. It was probably Mm. a hoax. But, you know, quite a dramatic turn of events for those those passengers on that uh, that Boeing 737 there. Um, I guess everyone's just got to get it out of their system because um, they haven't been able to act up for so long. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, So the other one I wanted to mention was over the weekend, um, an Alaska Airlines A320 had a a 40-minute flight to nowhere. So this plane was going from uh, Seattle, SeaTac Airport, going down to Chicago. um, Mm. And uh, literally minutes into the flight, just after it had taken off, a man gets up from his seat and starts walking up the aisle of the aircraft saying, I will kill everybody on this plane unless you accept Jesus was a black man. 
Um, so he was tackled by an off-duty police officer and a couple of other passengers, and they kind of pinned him down in a seat to stop him stomping around and shouting. But even then, he was yelling, die in the name of Jesus. There's a really kind of scary video. I mean, it seems ridiculous now you know that nothing actually happened. Mm. Um, but for those passengers, that must have been terrifying. You know, you don't expect to hear imagine. that sort of thing on your plane flight. And, you yeah. know, tensions are already high because people are worried about COVID and social distancing and wearing masks and things. So mm. they basically turned the plane right around, got back on the approach path for SeaTac, and they were back on the ground within 40 minutes. So uh, I understand the man is now facing a little bit of jail time. So <laughs> maybe Maybe he can calm down and do a bit more shouting in the prison. Um, Possibly. And speaking about masks, now I'm probably going to get slammed by uh, his fans that may be listening to the podcast, but Senator Ted Cruz has not been behaving very well. Um, and this comes in the week that President Trump has finally donned a mask for the first time during the coronavirus outbreak. Um, Ted Cruz was photographed on a plane not wearing one. And it was an mm. American Airlines flight whose policy is definitely to wear them. Um, and there's been some kind of ups and downs about whether... Um, whether masks are beneficial or not. But even Dr. Fauci, who has been the biggest opponent of mask wearing, now says that they should indeed be worn. Um, mm. And this isn't the first time for Senator Cruz either. He was photographed in late June at Regan National Airport not wearing one. Um, and our writer Jay recently flew on Southwest and said that there was a passenger who was allowed not to wear a mask for no reason other than they didn't want to. This wasn't a medical issue. And they were just allowed to swan onto the plane not wearing a mask. And that he thinks he's written quite a nice opinion piece, actually, saying that he thinks policies need to be strengthened. Mm. Um, now, I know a lot of um, a lot of airlines are kind of pushing the buck a little bit back towards the government and saying they need mandates. But um, there does need to be some kind of pulling together people here. We, we wear masks to protect those around us. But if other people aren't bothering, then nobody's protected, are they? So, uh, yeah. You know, I've I've not had the best experiences of mask wearing. Um, my son goes on the bus quite frequently and quite frequently tells me that even though the bus is packed, he's the only one with a mask on. And uh, it is now required in the UK, so... Mm, I think I'm quite lucky here in Frankfurt. And um, also when I was in Paris recently, I noticed everyone, or almost everyone, was wearing masks religiously on public transport with a couple of exceptions but um that's very good it's it's i mean yeah it's like it's not the nicest thing but i'm sure it's better than the ventilator well exactly exactly so on the subject of masks tom you had a story about uh, an interesting mask situation didn't you I did. And actually, while we've had so many negative stories about mask wearing, this was a really positive one. Um, so um, a Delta Airlines employee called um, Sarah was just answering the phones as she does. She works for the team that um, um, the, the highest frequent flyers can call if they have any issues. And she got a call from this man named Jay, who was um, saying that his special needs son called Crew really has an issue with medical masks because he's had a lot of operations and um, just sort of with the negative reinforcement, he's very apprehensive about wearing them. Understandable. Um, yeah. So um, Sarah took the time to sort of say it doesn't need to be like a medical mask. It could be um, one with a pattern on and like, um, what does Crew like? Maybe you could find something with... Um, something good um, that he'd really like. So um, 
Jay said to her, like, oh, he really likes Elmo and... Um, oh, me too. Sarah, <laughs> yeah. uh, and Sarah suggested where he might find an, um, an Elmo mask. And sort of, for most people, you'd just expect that to be the end of the story. But actually, that was just the start. So around a week later, Jay received an unexpected package in the post. And it had been sent by Sarah... Uh, it included masks for his whole family, but she'd also gone to buy the uh, fabric to make an Elmo mask for crew. Oh, that's sweet. Did she make it herself then? Yeah, she did. Um, she was. Um, I was reading that she sort of went out of her way to get approval from um, like the budgeting departments and all this, so that she could <laughs> buy the materials and um, and it's just it seems like an awful lot of effort just to make someone happy. But it's it's really sweet that it happened. But it's just so. Um, uncommon in this yeah, day is. and age very delta though i think mm. um, <laughs> but that was a really nice story and i mean it's not the first time that we've seen delta going out of the way to help people because we've reported a couple of times they've come to the rescue of stranded students without charging them anything oh yeah i think they they do a great job as an airline and i think mm. uh, you know being a fan of virgin here in the uk i think uh, they're very much part of the same family in the way that they treat mm. their, their their staff and their customers and i think that's what breeds such nice customer service is when you treat your staff so well you know they yeah. feel like going the extra mile but uh, so crew got his flight did he he managed to wear um, his mask and go on his flight i mean i haven't seen any news on whether he took the flight or not but um I'd like to think so, yes. Ah, that's a lovely note to finish today on, I think, Tom. Hmm. So that's uh, us wrapping up today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And as usual, welcome any feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or you can find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed our podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye.